Coming up in this edition of the Cougar Insiders podcast, we'll be breaking down a painful and uh, almost inexplicable loss that BYU had to Toledo on the road in the Glass Bowl. We'll also be talking a little bit about the other sports that are ranked and having great seasons. We'll talk about the backup situation at BYU in the quarterback position now that Zach Wilson is going to be gone. That and much more in this edition of the Cougar Insiders podcast. Welcome to the Cougar Insiders Podcast. I'm Dick Harmon, a columnist for the Deseret News, along with beat writers Jay Drew and Brandon Gurney. We're working hard to give you the very best in-depth coverage of BYU. And we'd like to welcome uh, a sponsor that we have, Mr. Mac. They're great. Uh, be sure that if you're in need of a suit that you go and see them right now, a special uh, buy one suit for two ninety nine. You can get the second one for a dollar, and they are good suits. I've got two of them. Well, gentlemen, bye week for BYU. No game. But yet the pressure mounts on this coaching staff and these players to to get some things fixed because in Toledo, a game they they were just barely favored to win but expected to win, they laid eggs all over the field and they did not perform. And that only just heaped up a lot more pressure on everybody involved. Jay, this this is a team that did something that nobody else did that I can think of, and that's play four Power 5 teams in September. They they did what they did with and got two wins until they went up against Washington, and it looked like this team had just about had it. They needed a bye week then, but they didn't. They lost to Washington. They made a lot of mistakes. They get on the road and go to Toledo, two missed field goals, an offensive line that can't get first downs on third and ones, some questionable play calling, people frustrated all over the place, and and a loss to Toledo, a team that you have to respect, but it's a team they should have won. Yeah, they should have won. They were up 14-3. to They had uh, almost twice as many yards in the first half. Clearly, you could see it being there in the first half. BYU had more talent. They were more physical on the line of scrimmage. They had better players. They had a better quarterback. And to not come out of that with a win is really damaging to Kalani Sataki and to his staff. Some of the mistakes they made were just unforgivable. And the same things, false start on a third and two, they get a false start. They got lucky there because Supka took it to the house on a third and seven, which was a, a running play and kind of caught Toledo off guard. But getting back, it was just from just the physical standpoint up in the press box, BYU was the better team. They were faster, they were stronger, and to not win this game is, and not make adjustments after halftime, that was another thing, is Toledo kept hitting them with that uh, crossing route or the running back uh, out of the backfield, and BYU never adjusted. And so it was, uh, for a BYU fan there, and there were thousands, it was very, very demoralizing to see their team lose a game that they should have won. Brandon Gurney, the defense, gets three turnovers, gets one touchdown out of that. Um, they get a real key uh, fumble recovery, a strip by uh, Chase Ayu right at the end of the game to set up what could maybe be a, a key drive and score. And on first and 10, they end up throwing down the middle with 90 seconds left and three timeouts. What do you make of that? Uh, impatience. I, one thing I don't understand about this BYU offense is it's nothing like I thought we would see this year. You're seeing a lot of, it doesn't seem to me they're playing to their strengths. I, we went in thinking the strength was going to be between the tackles, being patient. We're seeing Zach Wilson throw a lot of 
long passes. And, and when you look at the wide receiving core, do they really have that guy to depend on that? And I think it's borne out they don't. So so, so that play call, you can nitpick play calls and whatnot. I, I think the larger issue is just BYU really hasn't established an identity on offense. I mean, what's this offense? I think Tyson Williams, I, I think we would have seen a, a run-heavy thing with, with Tyson Williams if, if he was still healthy. And maybe they don't trust the Supa as much. But I think that, that kind of just underscores the fundamental problem with, with BYU football right now you don't have the guys to to withstand the the, the issues that they have uh the, the talent largely isn't there you're thin there's not a large margin for error with this team. If if one guy gets hurt, it, it's really hard to replace that guy. I mean, just look, just look at Utah. Zach Moss goes down there, fine. They have another guy that steps in. It doesn't really change anything. I don't know if that's the case with BYU. Maybe they should trust Emmanuel more. I I think Lapini is a guy that should see more tackles. But 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 I I don't understand what this offense is yet, and I think that's very worrisome. Uh, w- with this offensive staff being in there for the second year and still kind of looking for an identity. Let me throw something out to you, Jay and get you to comment on it. Uh, last year, as we know, Jeff Grimes comes from the SEC where it's pound, pound, strong lines, running backs that can make yards. That's his philosophy. That's kind of what he came in with, and they did a pretty good job, I think, initially, and they had things going that way last year. And then you get a quarterback like Zach Wilson that comes in in half the year last year. He ends up maybe being pulled back a little bit in the second half of a loss to Utah, which BYU led 27-7. to And then he goes in a bowl game, goes 18 for 18, has a great game, and then maybe they're saying, we've got to throw the ball, we've got to use Zach, we've got to develop this into to more of a big strike, chunk play offense. Jeff Grimes is kind of pulled a little bit inside about what he's going to do and he kind of goes that way and then it works out well at Tennessee it works out well in an overtime win uh, to Southern Cal but it's not his core and yet we now have an offense that really can't get a push up front and dominate people that they should dominate and get one yard on third down do you think that maybe there is something about a schizophrenic type of a philosophy or identity with this offense Yes, I think there is. I think one of the problems is this this offensive line, which was supposed to be a strength, veterans back, has underperformed. Don't want to call out student-athlete names, but there are some along the line who are not playing well. For the second straight week, one of them gave up a sack that was really costly. Not as costly as the picks or the scoop and score that, that Washington had, but a costly one nonetheless. And I just think they... It's when you can't pick up a third and one, that's on the offensive line. I just, that's on the offensive line. You gotta make holes, and they just haven't. So I would say that perhaps part of Jeff Grimes' schizophrenia, as you called it, Dick, is because he can't rely on that unit that he thought he was gonna be able to rely on going into the season. Then they lose Tyson Williams, which is a big blow. Emmanuel Supka is okay, is good. Asupa, but he's not Tyson Williams. He's just not. And I think that was evident in the game uh, the other day. So uh, one thing about Brandon said about the lack of a deep threat, I think Aleva Hifo has done that. I'm going to maybe disagree with you there. I think Aleva Hifo is a star in the making. And of course, he's a senior, so that's hard to say. But but I, I think he's that playmaker and I think BYU found that out against Toledo. This guy can make plays, and he needs to get the ball more. He should be that playmaker, but I think he's proven too inconsistent. I, um, you've seen a lot of instances where he and Zach just aren't on the same page, and it's hard to assess blame. We, we don't know for sure, but it seems like Zach's on the same page with the other guys. And another guy, I continue to wonder why 
Matt Bushman isn't being utilized more often. I understand that he's being bracketed, uh, maybe even exclusively, but but there seems to be ways where you could fit an offense to kind of go to that guy because that's your guy. That's the guy that can beat a defense down the field. And when he's only getting three catches against the likes of Toledo, I think that's a problem. Well, gentlemen, now BYU is right in the thick of having to fix some things. Unfortunately for Zach Wilson, who we all like, he's been really good to us. He's been good to interview. He's a good athlete. He's got a great attitude, a very supportive family. He's been loyal to BYU, been a Utah fan all of his life, but he's put everything he can into BYU football. He's had some drastic mistakes with some pick sixes and some turnovers. That can happen to a young player, but now is a new era. He'll probably come back, but it'll be very late. But now you're turning to Jaron Hall. And I think Jaron is going to do fine. There'll be a learning curve, but he'll do fine. But who's going to be the backup? Who are they going to bring in now that could be one sprained ankle, separated shoulder, broken hand, broken thumb away from being the next BYU quarterback, Jay? Well, the the easy answer is probably Joe Critchlow because he has experience, because he's taken snaps in three or four college Division one college football games. I'm going to go out on a limb, though, and I, I'm going to say because of the offense that BYU runs, that Baylor Romney is the backup now. I, we could be wrong. We'll probably learn, uh, you know, next Monday when they hold the coordinator's corner and then with Kalani's press conference. But I think Baylor Romney is a better fit for the offense, and I think he's the guy that Aaron Roderick would put in there. So I'll, I'll say Baylor Romney. I agree. I, I think it's Baylor Romney. I think it's very notable when depth charts are, 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 are given out and you see an or between Joe Critchlow and Baylor Romney. You'd think Joe would absolutely be that guy, but the fact that there's an or there kind of indicates to me it's probably Baylor Romney. And uh, just talking to A-Rod preseason, he really likes the fact that they, he feels he has quarterbacks that can just fit in and do what the other quarterback does. And and, and to go off Jay's point, Joe Critchlow is not that guy. He's a pro-style, non-RPO type quarterback. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to go out and give an educated guess that it's going to be Baylor Romney. And they've traveled five quarterbacks. Baylor Romney and Joe Critchlow both traveled to Toledo. I'm not making any announcements here, but just from what I know and what I understand, uh, this is going to be a long and extended out for uh, Zach Wilson. If I had to guess uh, from what I've heard is that this is a broken thumb. It's a fracture. I don't know if there'll be any uh, surgery involved. Uh, we'll probably get an announcement about that, if not this week, at the first of next week when we do have a, uh, availability. But uh, I, I would venture to think that this is a broken thumb situation. Well, gentlemen, we want to uh, pull in our sponsor here, Mr. Mack. Remember, two ninety nine. You buy a suit for two ninety nine. Pick out another one, a different color for just a dollar, and walk out of there with two suits. We all need suits. We all get called to do something in church once in a while. We have to show up and weddings, stuff like that. And if you got a son going on a mission. This is the perfect time to get him two suits, one for two ninety nine and another one for a dollar. Well, gentlemen, um, in probably better news, the BYU women's soccer team and volleyball team and cross-country team and golf team are off to a great start. And uh, we've seen some great performances out of the women. Uh, Jay, th- these women are for real, especially on the volleyball and soccer field. Absolutely. And you could make a case that the BYU women have carried the BYU athletic department the last few years. BYU women's basketball went to the NCAAs and won a game last year. Men's basketball hasn't done that in a while. You just mentioned soccer. What are their uh, four teams are in the top 10 nationally in the national rankings for their respective sports. So absolutely, without these doing so well, there might be a little bit more heat on, uh, on BYU athletic administration. But because these other school teams are doing so well and they're keeping BYU high up in the Director's Cup standings. 
doesn't seem to be a lot of heat on the administration for the maybe the shortcomings that uh, football and basketball have experienced the last few years. Yeah, Brian, I, Brandon, you you get your nose into volleyball a lot. This is an impressive women's team, is it not? Oh, for sure. Um, I I was there in Minnesota for the Final Four last year, and and to repeat that, they were in the Final Four of a sixty-four team field tournament. <laughs> That's extraordinary, and they were run out of the building by Stanford. And and having lost some significant parts from the team last year, I thought ah they'll be there, they'll be good. But then they go on the road and they beat Stanford. They just didn't beat them. They beat them in four sets. The number one team in the country. I think Heather Olmstead is, is again proving to be an outstanding coach. A, a coach that really maximizes her talent, really understands uh, what she has, and, and is able to adjust. And volleyball is a, a big momentum sport. I think BYU is starting to hit, hit a good stride. They're going to be there again. This is a program that's reached the Sweet 16. Uh, I think it's seven consecutive years, uh, which is pretty extraordinary. And I think it's a team. I don't know if it's a Final Four team again, but who's to say it's not? They just beat the number one team in the country at on their home home court so that that's 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 something and, and as good as they're doing they might not be doing as well as the the soccer team uh when speaking to jen rockwood usually coaches kind of hold back and just want to do that whole coach thing she she's just yeah everything's coming together everything's great defense offense everything the number five team in the country which absolutely pounded um, Texas A&M when they came to visit um, they're really showing some good stuff There's some, uh, some definitely some things to be excited about with both those teams Final word gentlemen, um, I will point out that Peter Guest, the BYU's uh, senior golfer has had a tremendous uh, career at BYU he's been ranked as high as 4th in the country he had an albatross in the NCAA tournament in his first round uh, last year and then he goes down to Albuquerque I played that course, Jay you probably have too the uh, university course at the uh, uh, in Albuquerque, he shoots uh, something like 16 under par he wins by seven or eight strokes uh, over the home team uh, guy that was their ace guy. It's probably the largest ma- margin of victory ever by an individual in that tournament, which has gone on since I can remember in the late 60s. Uh, but this golf team is off to a great start. They've got great talent, and Peter Guest is really a, a great, great player and has a great future, uh, I think, on the PGA Tour. Your final word, Jay. Yeah, it is an interesting week. Uh, BYU kind of has football, jumping back to football. They have to maybe wallow in this defeat a little bit longer. Most of them would probably want to get back on the field and get this bad taste out of their mouths. But I think it's a good thing. I think with the quarterback giving Jaron Hall an extra week to get first-team reps and to heal up a couple of nagging injuries, I think overall it's a good thing in the bye coming this week. Brandon Gurney, your final word. It's going to be kind of negative or really negative. I I think the game against Toledo just exposed the the follies of independence. Um, I think a lot of BYU football has kind of morphed into a pretense where, where fans want to believe it's something, and then you go to Toledo and it, it exposes what it really is, and it's a problem where BYU's kind of an average program right now. Sure, it's a team that can beat USC at home, fans get excited, all that, but then you qualify that. You lay an egg against Washington, and then the narrative is, well, Washington's really good, uh, let's hang on, and then you get done like Toledo. It's like, what are we? What What is BYU football right now? And I think a lot of fans are, are struggling with, with that dichotomy, uh, just what they believe BYU football is and what it really is. And it just heightened the importance of games against Boise State and Utah State. They have to get that done. If they, if they don't win at least one of those games, it's going to get ugly. It's going to get real. It's already ugly, but it's going to get a lot more ugly. And this team's up against it. There's not a lot of margin for error. Bye week's a very good thing. And, and just hold on for the rest of the year. We'll see what becomes of this team. Jay, Brandon, thanks for uh, being here on this podcast. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Cougar Insiders Podcast. 
podcast. We'd love to hear from you through the email at cougarinsiders at deseretnews.com. And please subscribe or download to this podcast wherever you can find it. We're working hard to deliver to you the most up-to-date information on BYU sports, and we'd love to have you join us each week. A big shout-out to Mr. Mac as our sponsor. Tune in for great Mr. Mac promotions and sale information all season long. 